So this is Richard Zink of the Biopharmaceutical Section of the American Statistical Association. I'm here today with Ben Lockwin, Site Head of Training and Development at Lonza Biopharmaceuticals. His interests include strategic leadership, quality improvement, statistical process control, and interpersonal psychology. Ben, welcome. Thank you. Can you give us some brief background on your responsibilities at Lonza? Yep. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, for the past couple of years, uh, it's been as the site head of training and development, as you mentioned, which in our context involves soft skills training, uh, psychosocial communications training, good manufacturing practice, which is uh, what we call GMP. Uh, that's the acronym used in, in our industry anyway. Um, so we do training specifically for GMP technical training on such aspects as pH, conductivity analysis, uh, quality control, laboratory skills, and things like that. Um, prior to that, I was a senior manager for operational excellence and was in charge of putting into place many of our best practices on statistical process control and process improvement initiatives. Now we're speaking because uh, you responded to our brief article on podcast from the August Amstat News where we solicited the ASA community for future topics. Now, in your email, you highlighted an interesting exchange between you and another individual discussing the role of statistics in conducting good science. Now, can you describe this exchange for us and explain why statistics is good science? Yeah, my pleasure. Um, it was kind of an interesting debate. It was um, someone who is a chemist in the industry, and, um, you know, I came across the discussion, and it was kind of interesting in that it was veering away from the use of statistical analysis in uh, scientific processing. And what he had said was that statistics doesn't teach us the understanding of chemistry and chemical engineering. And it sounded to me kind of like um, he was terming it like a bolt-on to proper analysis. You know, in addition to that, his thoughts were basically if he didn't know how to practice chemistry, um, he would be designing processes that were inefficient and unsustainable. Um, you know, and my first response to him was basically just that, you know, as far as his comment that, Statistics don't teach us how to understand chemistry or to be a chemical engineer. You know, my reply was really about that since about the 1920s, chemistry has been almost entirely statistical. Um, it was revised in order to keep up with fundamental understandings of quantum mechanics. And that the whole nature of valence electrons, chemical bonds, and chemical composition is based fundamentally on quantum statistics. You know, in terms of his kind of second comment that statistics might help, but you kind of need to know the chemistry behind things. My feedback was that um, looking at a series of runs, say pilot testing, to see if some chemical composition works the way it was intended is really just a longitudinal statistical analysis. Um, you know, I think fundamentally there was just a misunderstanding as to what role statistics plays and being since 2013 is the International Year of Statistics, um, you know, in a lot of speaking engagements that I do, I get a lot of questions like, should I add statistics onto this? But the reality is that in science, 
statistics is part of the analysis. He had sent a reply back to all of this and said that science comes before analysis. And if there's no science, then there's no opportunity for analysis. So, um, you know, I think what's important for the listeners to understand, and like I said, especially important for 2013 International Year of Statistics, is that science can't be done without rigorous statistical analysis. In fact, the scientific method, which includes a question, background research, which is really just an assessment of prior analyses, um, constructing a hypothesis, testing a hypothesis via experiment, analyzing, reporting a conclusion, is all analysis, which is statistical analysis. So was his opinion based on the idea that he didn't think chemists should have a better understanding of statistics, or he didn't feel that the statistical analysis at the end of the day was particularly important to understanding the results? That's a good question. Um, I think I think it was really a little bit of both. He, he sort of seemed to be coming at it strangely from the perspective that, you know, chemistry is about um, playing in the kitchen sink or in a lab um, and fiddling until you get the right kind of mix, uh, you know, rather than doing something like a design of experiment or a mixing study. And, you know, almost like you only need to look at, let's say, the simple mean of the results to see if all the stuff you were doing and things you were tweaking gave you what you wanted. So it was almost like don't involve statistics up front, and at the back end, when you have results, there's really no reason for an in-depth analysis because if it works, then you'll know it works. Given this response of this individual, do you feel like the International Year of Statistics is accomplishing its goals in promoting statistical methodologies and the impacts statisticians have across numerous fields? Or do you still think uh, we have a lot of work to do? Well, broadly speaking, I do. Um, to clarify the point of broadly speaking, what I mean by that is that it's absolutely essential and an incredibly valuable initiative um, that's being undertaken by ASA. What we're finding, though, is that there are so many pockets of pseudoscience and poor statistical analysis that getting the visibility of the International Year of Statistics down to those levels is extraordinarily difficult. So really, we have to move forward with not just potentially an initiative or with ending it at the quote-unquote year, but it should really be um, an ongoing practice by all of us who are practicing in the field, highlight the deficiencies and instruct wherever we can. You know, this could be as simple as bringing a pad of post-it notes and a pen with you wherever you go and sticking them on community data boards and charts and leaving such questions like, what are these data telling me, or why isn't this in a control chart, or how is this comparison valid? You know, I think if we're getting people, you know, especially in the lay public, to think more about it, that's really where the change needs to happen. Do you think statisticians should be getting more involved, say, in subject matter conferences by giving courses and presentations to uh, elevate the statistical education of uh, other disciplines? Yes, absolutely. Um, I've done a similar role to that in an informal way, and, you know, I think it's tremendously valuable, and I, I do have a caveat to that, and it's, it's 
if we do suggest that it continues to go in that direction, uh, you know, it's just a matter of keeping a careful eye on making the conference, which is not a statistical conference, allowed to be targeted for what it was initially, um, but also providing good education and instructive methods in, in good statistical practice and making the participants not feel like they're being condescended to. Now, with your interests in quality improvement, um, do you have any thoughts on the recent Transcelerate position paper and the finalized FDA guidance on risk-based monitoring of clinical trials? Yeah, I think on the whole, it's a great objective. Um, their guidance, too, their bullet point number two in the Transcelerate position paper says that um, the Clinical Trials Transformation Initiative, that's their CTTI, advocates that the clinical research industry builds quality by design into clinical trials, recommending a monitoring approach that rapidly detects and corrects issues while the study is ongoing with a goal not of error-free data, but fit-for-purpose data. So that's their quote from the Transcelerate paper. Um, I've designed and run clinical trials in the past, and I think this is definitely next-generational next goal. Uh, some of the issues I see with this particular point, though, are that under, uh, identifying issues in real time and correcting them um, as they're being detected uh, adds complexity into the final results of the clinical trials, which are things like additional error variances not attributable to the usual sources of washout, non-response, placebo, over or under effect, et cetera. So um, understanding and controlling for the kind of the live tailoring of clinical trials, which is sort of their work now, I think will take years of careful study. Um, in general, though, I think the concepts of QBD and risk-based monitoring are ones that I'm hugely in support of. Uh, getting hit on risk before it becomes a post hoc or even worse, a post-mortem assessment is absolutely essential as is designing a product or service with high levels of quality at the initial stages so that there isn't a, a rolled throughput yield effect of the end result getting worse and worse. Ben, I appreciate you talking with me today. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, sign off? No. Um, you know, I just wanted to thank you for getting in touch and, you know, all the listeners who are uh, reviewing this podcast, you know, like I had kind of suggested earlier, I would implore everyone, um, you know, to encourage people to try to use statistical methodology as often as possible, try to encourage its use in others, uh, even if they don't have formal training in it. Um, just getting people thinking in that direction can, can really do a lot to help the cause.